welcome to Energy Matters in the Classroom with Robin Berlinski, the show that highlights and celebrates the kinetic and potential energy in classrooms across the globe and why it matters. We're heard nationally wherever fine podcasts are available and weekly on the radio at Charleston, South Carolina's 1250 WTMA Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. from our home base right here in Charleston, South Carolina. Robin, welcome to your show. Thank you, Ron. Uh, business, got to do a little business a little before business, we get started here. As always, if you're listening on the radio, don't forget we also have a podcast. And always follow me on Instagram, Robin underscore Berlinski, to learn all kinds of great things happening and sometimes some great prizes. It's really awesome. We love to have you with us and the audience is building uh, exponentially. It it's is. really fun to watch what's going on here. Well, I am delighted to introduce our special guest in this particular show. His name is Hal Huser. Hal is a history teacher at Mason Prep right here in Charleston. He's been teaching for 26 years. Uh, I don't know how that's possible because he looks like he's 19 years old, but okay. <laughs> he's been married to Fran for almost 25 years. We love Fran. He has two teenage daughters, Lauren and Jenna. He loves Star Wars, Marvel, Game of Thrones. What a great guy to have in the classroom. Hal, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, as you know, it's energy matters, and I'm going to let you and Robin jump in because you guys speak the same language. This guy brings it. He brings it to the class. I've heard, and I want to say, like, for those of you that know me and listen often, you know that I work with Engaging Creative Minds, and our mission is to bring music, all the arts, but music into classrooms across the, uh, South Carolina. So this show really speaks to my heart because, Hal, I know you use music. Um, you brought your guitar, so we'll make sure to get a picture of that so you can see us with it. But I want to say that I'm super excited to hear more about how you use music in your history class. And so I just, am, and I, to your point, Ron, 25 years, like he looks 25. It's amazing. Like, I <laughs> thought you were 25. Well, so <laughs> Let's do this. To prove that you are the age that you are, take us to the beginning. What was your inspiration? How did you join the wonderful world of educators? Well, I come from a family of educators. My dad taught at West Point when he was in the military. My mom was a librarian. And so I think it's always kind of be, been in my DNA uh, you know, I used to teach my stuffed animals when I was a little kid and it was something that I wasn't sure if I was going to do. But then when I got into college, I just, I felt that calling, calling out to me once again. And I decided, uh, English or history. I went with history, although I do teach a little bit of English now as well. So I'm getting to fulfill both destinies. And, uh, I got to tell you, it's just been a wonderful ride. I've enjoyed my career. I'm going to keep on going as long as the kids are laughing with me and not at me. That's kind of my goal. I love it. And you teach at a private school in downtown Charleston called Mason Prep, which when I moved here in 1990, I had heard about this amazing school. I was not a teacher yet. I was not, I had no children, but I heard about Miss Mason's. That's what it was called. And I thought, what is Miss Mason's? It is amazing how it has evolved and become this just space of, again, really great energy. But I want to um, tag along on Ron's question and say, where did music come in for you? Well, I always grew up in church choirs. I've always enjoyed writing creatively. And so when opportunity to create song parodies based on various hits that you know my students would be familiar with came along, I jumped on it. You know, I got to credit people like Weird Al Yankovic for <laughs> inspiring me. But 
I love, I love creative writing and I do a ton of it with my students, whether it's music or poetry or prose, you know, skits. There's lots of great opportunities to incorporate that in the classroom. But the music's always just been in me. I, I'm fortunate that I'm pretty decent with rhyme and meter and, and I love doing it. Now, I, I will tell you straight up, my guitar skills are highly rudimentary. They are nothing fantastic, but I can, uh, you know... I can make it work. But you, it work. you played in the classroom. I have with, played in the classroom. Oh, I, the I have rapped in the classroom. I have uh, done every kind of genre, whatever's going to get through with the kids, whatever they're into. So let me ask you this. The, when you became, let's call you an entertainer teacher or a teacher entertainer. Edutainment. Okay, that's there it. you go. Obviously, you sensed that this was a way to reach these kids maybe better than a whatever a traditional educator might do. And it takes somebody special to to try something new in the classroom. When was that light bulb moment earlier in your career when you did something and you saw all everybody was looking at you like, this is amazing? <laughs> you know, the kids have always been so supportive, whether they were 11th graders or 5th graders. I've taught a lot of different ages over the years. And it's, it's funny what just clicks with them. I think it's realizing that sometimes history or geography, it requires a fair bit of memorization. And some students have a hard time with that. It's hard to hit those upper level concepts if they don't understand just the basics first. And I found for a lot of children, it's like, I can't remember a list or I can't remember these notes, but I can remember a song, especially if it's a song that I'm familiar with that Mr. Huser has slightly modified <laughs> the lyrics for, uh, purposes of historical education and they've really enjoyed it sometimes they'll sing along sometimes they like me to just be the star on the stage but it's great and I, I really enjoy the ones that they write as well so a lot of times I have them come up with things and it's just fantastic I had somebody do a Julius Caesar rap the other day that just slayed it was amazing that's <laughs> so. funny I grew up in upstate New York and uh, there was a song that we sang about the Erie Canal. And it was, I've got a mule. Her name is Sal, 50 miles on the Erie Canal. And I, to this day, can tell you a lot of things about the Erie Canal. If you'd like to chat about that, that another song. time from that song. And I'm not, I was not ever a history person or a social study in school. I, that was not my favorite subject. Sorry. And no worries. I, but that, those kinds of experiences where, to your point, I didn't have to memorize a timeline. I didn't have to study explorers. and But I got to sing it or learn about it through music to this day, I remember. So I, kudos to you for making that come alive in your classroom. Thank you. You know, I, I figured try to teach the kind of class that you wouldn't mind sitting in yourself. And if you're not doing that, you need to take a step back and reevaluate. And I've had too many times. You know, in 26 years, you're always gauging, reassessing and moving on, incorporating different things that work and ditching things that don't. So, um, you know, I really love being able to bring those creative elements, whether it's the skits that the kids do, like when they have one of my favorites is when studying Europe and geography, I have them do a skit that's a children's show. So they can pick any existing children's show and kind of riff on it. So the, the room for satire is fantastic. And I can't tell you how hilarious some of these parodies of Dora the Explorer or SpongeBob SquarePants or Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, they just never cease to amaze me with their creativity and how well they incorporate the elements of the shows into their own parodies. 
And sometimes they just come up with their own original children's program. And again, I'm blown away by things like that. Another thing I really enjoy doing is stuffed animal theater. It's become kind of legendary. <laughs> that literally came out of a lack of videos at the first school I taught at. There were no good videos to show in class. I wanted just a little change of pace from notes and reading in the book. And since I couldn't find any decent videos, I was thinking, you know what? I'll just act it out. What do I have? I have stuffed animals. I have a bunch from my childhood, from my kids, from my wife. And it just became a thing and it took off from there. And again, kids from fifth grade to 11th grade still remember episodes of Stuffed Animal Theater, which I appreciate so much that that so worked for them. I want to jump in because I have a question. <laughs> so what's an example of a stuffed animal theater? Like you, you filmed your animals doing what? Well... Some of the episodes have been filmed, but mostly they're done live. Oh, I just live get a whole box of episodes. I love it. That's right. There are many episodes. Uh, the original one was the story of Gilgamesh. It's a Sumerian legend. He's kind of like the original superhero. And he and his buddy Inky Doo are like the original buddy team. So I took the actual script from ancient history with a few tweaks and acted it out using stuffed animals. And it caught on. Other episodes I do for World War One and Two. Of course, you can use, you know, a beef eater stuffed bear to represent Britain. You can use Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast to represent France and a giant polar bear for Big Russia. Uh, we have Henry VIII. You go through a lot of Barbies in that episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there are some classics. Oh my I gosh. just did Alibaba and the 40 Thieves yesterday. Okay, hold on, hold on. I have been in education for 30 years and I say to people that I work with and that I'm around, like I am rarely wowed. Like I, I see a lot and there's so much great things, energies everywhere and I'm always like enthusiastic and excited. Right now sitting here, I am wowed. Like <laughs> I have never heard of the stuffed animals, but how brilliant. Did you come up with that on your own? I did. It was oh just my gosh. something to help them appreciate the story other than me just sitting on a stool and telling it. And how memorable. <laughs> they, I love it. I do have students from years ago, probably 20 years back, still remembering Gilgamesh and getting a question right on Jeopardy because they remembered <laughs> stuffed animal theater. Isn't that something? It I, is amazing. I, How I, I'm, smart. I'm jealous because all I ever got in school, and I still remember this from maybe fifth or sixth, sixth grade, was the, the word homes, H-O-M-E-S. There you go. For the Great Lakes. That's right. Huron, oh, Ontario, uh -huh. Michigan. That's all I got. And I never got any entertainment, no stuffed animal theater. Really? What was wrong with my years in school? Well, you know, acronyms are a great way to <laughs> Did go Did you spend as well. it in the principal's office? Is no, that, you missed no, the fun I lessons? I was a very good student. You know that. Come on. Well, you know, I've heard so many people over the years who said that their history teachers with were boring. And that pains me because it shows there's a lack of passion there that maybe that wasn't their first love. And for me, it was. I majored in history in college. My advisor said, major in social studies, you'll be more marketable. I was like, no, I want to teach history. I ended up teaching all the other things too, as it turns out. So, you know, never closed doors. Yeah, I, I said I was going to teach high school only. Been in middle and, school yeah. like forever. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the days of the boring film strips, though. Do you remember those? Oh, ones? yes. Like, we, again, in upstate New York, had to watch one called Nanook of the North. And we would watch these people in Canada just like eat baby seals. It was horrible. And I learned nothing. Oh, I no. mean, the, again, I'm wowed. I wish, uh, to your point, Ron, like, why did we not get this kind of fun 
history. I literally had to memorize timelines and like Lewis and Clark. I, I to this day don't even know where they went. Oh, I think although I love history as well, I'm sure my knowledge is not where it should be because I wasn't engaged by somebody who who took it the extra mile. This is remarkable. Yeah, because it takes a lot of work to do yes, what, what you're doing. I mean, it's so easy to go in and do a worksheet, right? But you, yeah. I mean, a lot of work went into this before the class. I do try to kind of write a prototype uh, script, but a lot of times it's improvised. So, you know, you got to be willing to do that too. Are these episodes you refer to, do you repeat them or do you change them up a little bit every year? I have certain shows that have become popular and I've created new ones also. Uh, French Revolution is probably the most recent one I've done. And I I don't uh, have any Barbie's heads pop off, but you know. They get the idea and it's, it's a lot of fun and it really helps kind of introduce a unit. And then now that they have that framework, we can go in and explore further. Well, we have, we have to put you on the spot. Now, radio is a, is a medium where you say theater of the mind. So do you think you could perform a little something for us and give us a little taste or is it impossible to do without visuals? Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, You know, it, it, it certainly helps to have a stuffed Garfield or Odie or Barbie with you. But if uh, wish I had something the, with me, Ron, put on the spot a little yeah. bit. Okay, I uh, I guess I have to deliver then. So I'm trying to think of an episode. So we might be doing the Roman emperors, and we get to Caligula, played by. I, I recently was fortunate enough to acquire Boots, the little monkey friend of Dora <laughs> the Explorer. Well, Caligula's nickname meant little boots. And I got to tell you, credit, yes. And it was a nickname for the little sandals that he wore uh, when he was a child. So they named him Little Boots. And I made a passing comment. I used to use this rabbit to play Caligula. And I just made a passing comment. Oh, gosh, I wish I had a stuffed animal of boots. And I cannot tell you, just a few days later, one of my students brought in boots. It was amazing, just that kind of uh, passion and love for the show. So when you get to the Caligula portion of the story... It would be like, and now along came the next emperor, Caligula, played by Little Boots. That's right. I'm Little Boots. They used to call me that when I walked around with the army. But now I've gone certifiably insane. <laughs> hey, guys, want to gamble with me? Okay, I win. But but I won. No, I win. Now we're going to ransom you if you can't pay. Hey, I think I'm going to have audience participation day at the arena because we ran out of gladiators. Yay. Section 201, you're up. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I am in love with you. I wish you could. Can you? Okay. I'm going to give you some business advice right now on this show. You need to package this and sell it to every school in America. How fun. I need to have some production value. (laughs) Uh, You know, I look at uh, people like Mr. Betts who have made parody videos and they're wonderful and my my tech skills are limited. So if there are people willing to help, I'd absolutely be willing to do that. It would be a ton of fun. Oh my gosh. This is so cool, Ron. I'm blown away. I have nothing to ask because I'm blown away. Well, now we have to delve into the music portion. All right. And now you don't have to take out the guitar if you think that uh, just an acapella version will will do something justice, but give us some inspiration. All right. I've got one that's, uh, I do acapella all the time. I get the kids clapping along with it and it's called the mummification song. Because, you know, when you're studying ancient Egypt, you absolutely have to learn about that process. It was so essential to preparing them for the afterlife that they believed awaited them. So 
came up with a little ditty and it goes a little something like this. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. First take out the guts and then you pick the nose. Salt the body up and then wrap from head to toes. Then you put it in a box and then another box. And if you're really special, yet yeah, still another box. Stuff it in a pyramid and fill it full of stuff. Clothing, jewelry, food, and games until you have enough. Then you let Anubis weigh your heart and send you on. And that's the ending of Jazz Hands, the mummification song. Oh, oh man! <laughs> round of applause for you. Thank you. Oh, I bet the kids just love. What what grades are you? K eight. Currently, I am. Oh, the school is uh-huh. K through eight. Mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, shout out to all my friends at Mason Prep. Love y'all. And we. I'm currently teaching fifth and sixth grade, but I taught seventh and eighth for many many years. Wonderful group there too. Uh, you know, sometimes you just want a different change of pace. And I really do love that energy. You know, you mentioned energy and, you know, lower middle school, they have it in spades. <laughs> yes, so they do. It's It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, you so. know, you're going to get a lot of job offers af- after this, right? <laughs> so let me ask you a question. We ask almost everybody that comes in here, who was your favorite teacher and, and how did they inspire you to do great things? One I remember absolutely is Mary Moriarty. She was my 11th grade English teacher. I love the fact that she was so accepting of us. She was just so cool. She gave us a love for literature. She gave us opportunities to write. She helped us become better writers. And she just, she loved the kids. I was involved in some clubs that she sponsored. And I recognized that she didn't just care about me as a student, a kid who got A's. She cared about me as a person. And that's something I really try to foster with my own students. And I try to show them that, yes, we're learning fun stories. We're learning cool facts, but we're also trying to become better people. You know, the class is social studies. It has to do with our socialization, not only what we remember, but how we act. So I have opportunity to bring in guest speakers to talk about different religions when we're learning about ancient history and different faiths. I try to really give kids opportunity to shine with whatever their talents and gifts are. I try to switch up the lessons. So we're not always doing the same thing. So if they're good at creative writing, if they're good at making videos, if they're good at writing poetry, if they're good at coming up with silly songs, I, I want to, you know, help them to reach all of their goals and to let them know that, um, <laughs> as my fifth graders told me today, I had to say it, let them know that user loves you. And uh-huh. <laughs> Love it. You know what? You're, you're reminding me of Daniel Pink and the genius hour and the, the giving kids that space to explore what they love and what they're really interested in. And it sounds like that's what you allow them to do is they're going to ultimately understand social studies and history when you let them explore what they're excited about or in the way they love to, um, share, which could be creative writing or music or theater. Differentiated instruction takes lots of form and that's giving them choice and projects and things like that. Yeah, they really, they really gravitate towards that and appreciate that. And it takes a lot of work. So kudos to you. It's hard to do that as an educator. It is hard to look at all 25, 30, 20 of your students and tap into each one the way you have. So Oh, but also, I think about your history, your lineage. Your father taught at West Point. I'm guessing he didn't have the same performance uh, in a, in a classroom of cadets. I'm thinking, animals. Yeah, it was a little more lecture-based, I'm I thinking. I would bet. But, uh, you know, I think he was a great role model to his cadets as, you know, I aspire to be 
to my students. I, I'm going to mess up as much as the rest, but you know, I really do try to let them know I'm, I'm there to help them be awesome people, not just good students. And I want to jump into, because I know parents and especially parents who are listening, but teachers too, that, you know, we all know that math re- or music reinforces the parts of the brain that we use when we do math. So mm-hmm. I understand, you know, you're teaching theater or um, history, geography, social studies, but there, there's this other, you know, unintended lesson that, that happens when these kids are experiencing that. And it's this piece of the brain that they need when they do math. And it's like the counting, the rhythm, the scales, the intervals, patterns, symbols, you know, all those things that you talk about, that's math. So, you know, parents who are thinking about music classes early or in, at an early age or deciding what to do with their kids after school, you know, there's sports, but there's also music and it does reinforce those math skills. There's tons of evidence to show that the arts absolutely reinforce everything in education, that they help activate parts of your brain even better than without. And so, yes, 100%. I'm, and I love seeing students trying lots of different things. It's like the more they do, they learn how to budget their time. I mean, there is such thing as overkill, but you really see some kids thrive when they figure out what they love and they make time for it. And then they make time for the studies too. So it's great. I love the concept of the aha moment. And teachers get to look out of those smiling, typically smiling faces. And they can tell when someone has hit that high note, so to speak. What is that like? I mean, you know, you're not looking necessarily for a round of applause or a standing ovation. But as a teacher, as an educator, seeing that student get it must be so cool. Oh, it's awesome. When I... When I give them an assignment where they have a choice of some type of creative writing activity, and then I get to hear the things that they come up with, it's brilliant. I, I really thoroughly enjoy, and so do their classmates, just seeing how they're able to take information and then work with it and activate it. And, you know, that's the, almost the highest level of thinking is when you're doing synthesis. You're, you're right up there creating, and it's just a pure joy. I love it. They've created some wonderful things that we've all gotten such a kick out of over the years. So what else are you looking to experiment with? Or do you, have you hit that perfect stride right now? Or is there always something, something new coming through? Well, I'm a little bit of a Luddite in that the technology side. I, I know can, what that means, I can throw. Yes. I love that word. <laughs> afraid I, of technology, right? I'm not afraid of it, but there's still so much to learn. And it's constantly evolving, right? And the kids are great. They're, they're helpful at showing me new things. So... For me, Kahoot is still newish. I mean, it's years old, but I love using it. So things like that in the technological realm, I'm certainly looking to evolve a little bit there. I am open to all kinds of performance art type things. Just if they suggest a good idea or I get a new idea, I'm always willing to try it. I don't want to sit back and always have the same lesson plan because, you know, groups of kids are different. What might really click with one group may fall completely flat with another. So you try, you course correct as you go, and hopefully you emerge well on the other side. Overall, my students tend to always do well on different evaluations, whether they're creative ones or, you know, just more traditional tests. So that makes me feel good that they're getting it and that they're talking about it. There's no greater compliment than to hear that they went home and they talked about it around the supper table and a parent writes me a nice email. That's just like golden and super validating. And I've really been blessed by those who, who've done that. So 
I'm very grateful for the job and I, I take it very seriously. I know the responsibility I have and I always want to give my best. And I'm very grateful for Mason Prep for, for having me these last 12 years. It's just a wonderful place to teach. Well, you talked about your favorite teacher. And as I'm hearing you and learning more about what you do, you are that. You're doing all those same things. That's you didn't know this kind. was going to be such a Hal Huser compliment I know. program. I, again, I'm blown away. But um, And you're, can I just throw out a personal sure, thing for you, Ron? We might have to edit this. I don't That's know. Right. <laughs> um, your daughters had Hal for a teacher, didn't they? They did, both and of them, yes. You, as a parent, probably heard a lot of stories around the dinner table. Well, the, the funny thing is, before we even met Hal, we knew who he was because it was a name that somehow permeated through the school and everybody wanted to be in Hal's of class. Of course. I hadn't met him yet. <laughs> and then Ella was the first to take it. And yes, lots of like, oh my God, you, sh- you couldn't believe what we did today. And all excited to come home and tell us, which, you know, our thing at home is we will always sit down as a family, no iPads, no iPhones. We're going to have a conversation around the dinner table. The TV is not on. So we talked about what was the most important thing? Of course, their day at school. So there were a lot of Hal Huser stories. I love it. And as a parent, you love that. You want your kids to not, Uh, I mean, nothing. Would you do nothing? (laughs) You know, but I'm sure they got animated and told you all kinds of things. Well, my kids are animated anyway. But it it doesn't hurt that, you know, they they get this kind of uh, inspiration in the classroom. Um, and, And that asks or begs the question, do people come to you, other educators perhaps, and say, how can I do what you do? Well, there there have been a couple times when I was teaching public school, we would occasionally have meetings of different history teachers, which was wonderful because then you can feed off of each other and learn different techniques. On my own staff, another thing that I love to do is creative review games. So I've held uh, staff seminars on that and they've thrown ideas back at me too. So that's the wonderful element of collaboration in any school. And you know, I try to make the review game kind of fit whatever the topic is. So if we were doing Egypt, we're building a pyramid and every question right, you get a brick or uh, maybe they're learning about the industrial age. So I have an immigrant's tale and every question they write, they move forward in the story or we did. We learned about the Pony Express. So we got a stick horse and we rode and wrote answers down and rode back. They loved that physical element so much. So. Yes, I love collaboration. I'm always open if anybody wants at any time to hear any of my ideas or to touch base. It's just huserh at masonprep.org. Happy to hear from you anytime. Uh, And if you've got great ideas, share them my way too. We have a very short period of time. Robin, I'm sure you have a final comment or million. I am going to get you to present at the Palmetto State Arts Education Conference in October. So I'll be in touch with you. Absolutely. Well, our special guest, Hal Huser, thank you for coming in today to being part of this podcast. It really did turn into the Hal Huser show. Even oh my though, gosh, I want to <laughs> take two or even part though, two, not take right. two, part two. Even though you're listening to Energy Matters in the Classroom with Robin Berlinski, the show that highlights and celebrates the kinetic and potential energy in classrooms across the globe and why it matters. Folks, we're so glad you joined us today. Remember, we're available wherever fine podcasts are available and heard weekly on the radio at Charleston, South Carolina's 1250 WTMA. Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock. Hal, I think stardom is in your future. It'll be one of those overnight successes that only took 26 years to get there. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Take care.